Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. In the Old Testament, the kings in the first and second kings of the Old Testament are briefly described many times by two phrases. And number one, he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. And then second phrase, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. You know, sometimes the life of these kings are not described in detail, so it's hard for us to judge the summarization of their lives. And so God does it for us because he knows all his calculation and the judgment of a single life is most accurate. And the Bible records these two phrases, evil in the sight of the Lord, and then secondly, right in the sight of the Lord. And our lives can be described by God in this manner as well, when all things are done in this earthly trail. And what our summarization would be, he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, or would it be he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord? Because God sees all things that we do, and his eyes are everywhere. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 5, verse 21, For the ways of men are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his going. The Bible says in Proverbs 15, 3, The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. Ladies and gentlemen, we must Fear our holy God because he sees all. Not only does he sees all, but he also judges all. And we got to be very careful in our testimony and that we got to fear the Lord. I think about our nation, how we are mocking God with our sins and abortion is on the rise. Homosexuality is on the rise and, and divorce is on the rise and false beliefs and practices are also rampant. And the Bible says concerning nations in Amos chapter 9 verse 8, Behold the eyes of the Lord upon the sinful kingdom and I will destroy it from off the face of the earth. And our nation needs to be warned. And not in a very crude and also hateful way like we talked about Fred Phelps a couple of weeks ago and, and uh, how he in every way tried to uh, uh, bring about the, uh, the, uh, 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 the communication of judgment without grace. And I believe we need to do it with love and, and also with kindness. But I believe the truth needs to be shared and we need to recognize the fact the wrath of God is real and that America is not in any way an exception. If we go along this path, ladies and gentlemen, God will judge this nation. And we got to pray for our nation. We got to pray for revival and how America is not fearing the Lord. And we need America to fear God once again because he is watching. And it doesn't uh, 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 matter how strong and mighty this nation has been. God can make this nation fall any moment if we do not repent. Oh, this applies to individual people as well. We cannot mock God with our sins, for we will reap what we sow. I think about Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. For he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap 
life everlasting. And the question is, what are we sowing this evening? What are we sowing week to week? Is it evil or is it righteousness? Because God is watching and God is keeping count and his eyes are everywhere. And as God sees and he keeps count, he summarizes our lives just like the kings in the Old Testament. And what would your testimony be today? And what would your testimony be when you die and that you take the last breath? What would be the conclusion statement of your life when you die? And I hope it is a statement that his life was right in the sight of the Lord and her life was right right in the sight of the Lord. Because we know what we sow, we will also reap. And we fear the Lord, and we want to make sure we live blamelessly, and that we go forward in fearing Him and keeping His commandment, which is the whole conclusion of the matter, which is the whole summarization of our life and the purpose and goal thereof. I think about Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. Better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof. And you might have made some different mistakes in your life, but let me tell you, the grace of God is sufficient, and you can get back in the right track once again. And that you could get back to the right journey once again. And you could get back in obeying the Lord Jesus Christ once again. Hey, don't think it's over, my friend. No, there might be another second chance and third chance to have you turn around to live for God. And the end would be a wonderful testimony to magnify the Lord Jesus Christ rather than in bringing shame and uh, also in every sense bringing down the name of the Lord Jesus in your life. Oh, that's what uh, uh, people uh, uh, see and and judge all the time, and uh, how would it end for all of us, and uh, how would it end uh, for individual life, and what would be our last testament be? I think about sports games, just practically. How many people like to watch sports games? Raise your hand, okay? And uh, I like to watch sports, but not in the sense, you know, keeping up with different teams or anything like that, And but I just love, I just love to watch the final four teams going at it. And, uh, you know, uh, I I like Super Bowl, and I don't like to keep up with all the other playoff games. I just want to see the, you know, Super Bowl. I like to see the finals for NBA game. I just like that. That, that last push that each team has to give. And, and uh, uh, I think about just looking at maybe a, a, a regular game. And if you're a Laker, game, uh, you know, Laker fan today, and uh, I'm sorry, I, Laker has not been doing good. Have they been doing good, Brother Kyle? No, I'm sorry about that. And uh, maybe we should pray for the Lakers tonight. And, uh, but, you know, they're not doing too well. But, you know, as I look at some Lakers games or something like that or any other team that I look at, you know, the first half, you know, it's interesting. But we know the second half is much more interesting. Because the end is coming, right? And the overtime is really exciting, you know? And, uh, I mean, everybody is giving all they got. And they, uh, and they want to be the winner. And they're pushing much as they can. And, uh, and, uh, 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 and because how they finish is so much more than how they started. And uh, it's the fourth cra- quarter that really matters. And, and the, right in the first quarter, I know all quarters matter and how you start. But, man, that final finish is it, going to bring the statement whether you're a winner or a loser and uh and with that practical uh, illustration how would it end for us and uh, uh you know uh, uh, and by the way we don't know if we're on the fourth quarter right now because we don't know when we're gonna die doesn't matter how old you are you never know when that fourth quarter will come so we gotta live for the lord now 
and we got to keep on pushing and living for the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and how would it end for us, my friend? And, and uh, uh, I think about Voltaire, a famous atheist in the past, denounced Christ all of his life. And, and as we think about salvation, that's what we considered, didn't we? And, uh, you know, we thought about the end. We thought about death. Where am I going to go after I die? And from that question, we, uh, uh, Jesus Christ burdened our soul and also burdened about our sins. And then we trusted Christ as our personal Savior. And I'm sure many of you experienced that same testimony today. And I think about Voltaire and a person who was a, 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 a always proclaiming atheism and also uh, being passionate about destroying Christianity. He once said of Jesus Christ, curse the wretched. He also stated every, if you go to the next slide, every sensible man, every honorable man must hold the Christian sect in horror. Christianity is the most ridiculous, the most absurd and bloody religion that has ever infected the world. Man, very terrible words. He also boasted, if you go to the next slide, in 20 years, Christianity will be no more. My single hand shall destroy the uh, uh, edifice. It took 12 apostles to rear. And, uh, I mean, he was very, very venomous in his words concerning Christianity. But at the end, his words were no longer prideful, nor was it boastful. If you go to the next slide, this is what he said. I am abandoned by God and man. I will give you half of what I'm worth if you will give me six months' life. Then I shall go to hell and you will go with me. Oh, Christ. Oh, Jesus Christ. You see, even though he was fighting Jesus, he couldn't get Jesus out of his mind. He couldn't get Jesus out of his heart. He knew he had to, in every sense, make a decision. And, of course, he did not do so. And, by the way, the house that he printed all these different literatures uh, about, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, atheism and also uh, against Christianity, that uh, uh, place, the house, was bought after a few decades later, after he passed away, became a Christian publishing house. And then and, and they started publishing the Bibles and different Christian books. And, and what an irony of it all. And, uh, and I'm just simply saying, and how Voltaire ended in the wrong way, going to the lake of fire. And uh, if you are sitting here today, not considering the end, I want you to consider it tonight. Where would you go after you die? And you might, in every sense, uh, testing Christianity today, and you might be in service uh, every single week. But if you're not for sure about going to heaven, ladies and gentlemen, I encourage you to be—I uh, uh, encourage you to know for sure about eternal life, and that you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, and that you will proclaim Him as your wonderful Sovereign God. Oh, where would your soul be at the end? It doesn't matter how rich you are. It doesn't matter how atheistic and intelligent you are. It doesn't matter how famous and powerful you are where would your soul be at the end because when life is over you leave every pleasure every sin every idol worship that you truly invested in you leave it here and your soul will go somewhere i hope it's not hell and i hope you're saved and we would have to agree that the end would be determined by how we live every moment as christians as well and and we've got to make sure we count our days because the end is coming. And uh, even though we have received Christ as our personal Savior, the temptation is there for us to not to carry the right testimony. Oh, let us consider the end. Let us finish strong. And let us try to do our best to live for God. I think about uh, the king, Josiah. And he reigned for 31 years, according to the Bible, starting from the age of eight. 
And King Josiah probably never knew that his death would be at the age of 39. He died at a very young age. And, uh, and this young king, when he was 26 years old, 13 years away from his death, did something that made his conclusion statement to be, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Was he a perfect king? No. And did he do everything right? Probably not. But God concluded he did everything right in the sight of the Lord, and it was, ple- it was pleasing in his sight. And we could learn from his life this evening and uh, how we could carry that same testimony. And I want to give you three strong principles that King Josiah lived by that could be a great help to us as we count our days today. Number one, he responded to the conviction of the Word of God. Conviction of the Word of God. In verse 10, now to verse 13, the Bible says in that same chapter, Second Kings chapter 22, it says, And Shaphan the scribe shoot the king, saying, Hekiah the priest had delivered me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hekiah the priest, and Achim the son of Shaphan, and Ekmor the son of Micaiah, and Shaphan the scribe, and uh, Asahiah, uh, a servant of the king, saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according to all that which is written concerning us. You see, the Israelites became so idolatrous in their worship toward their Jehovah God that the book of the law was not even read or wasn't even practiced. I mean, they were sold to the Lamb and they didn't even know that this, even, I mean, something like this existed. And amazingly, the priest priest found the book and delivered to the king, delivered to the king, and the king read it. Now, this is the critical point. As the word of God was being spoken, how was the, uh, how would the uh, listeners respond? Would it be received, received in the heart, or would it be rejected? The Bible describes the word of God, that, uh, 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 word of God, uh, as a, as a hammer, as a fire. The Bible says in Jeremiah 23, Verse 29, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. And Jeremiah further explains the word of God that burns. In Jeremiah 20, verse 9, then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name, but his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And the word of God also described, if you look at the next slide in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is quick and what? Powerful and sharper than any twisted sword, piercing even to the dividing thunder of soul and spirit, and the joints and marrow, and discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You see, the word of God, when it's spoken, when it is delivered, it is not going to just return void. It's going to convict us, and it's going to try to help us. And I hope we, as Christians, that we yield ourselves to the word of God, and that we say, Lord, whatever you say, we will do, and whatever you convict us about concerning sin. We will repent, and then we'll get right with you. And I hope your heart burns as the word of God is coming, uh, comes forth in your life. And as you have your devotion, I hope your heart is burning, and that you're ready to always live for God, and always ready to surrender to the will of God. Oh, as we read and meditate and hear God's word, there will be much convicting. How would you respond, though? That is the question. How would you respond? It's either you received it, receive it, I'm sorry, or reject it. I think about how the religious Jews were cut to the heart by preaching of Stephen. 
even though they rejected the word of God, they can, I mean, they, they can in no way fight God's word, and, and they knew the feeling that they had. The Bible says in Acts 7, verse 54, and when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. You see, the word of God convicted them. But the Bible says, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. They refused to believe, even though they were cut to the heart. You see, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It doesn't matter how backslidden condition you are. Hey, the word of God, in every sense, will convict you and will try to bother you concerning sin. And, and the problem is not, is not because of the word of God. The problem is you, my friend, and you are not willing to listen and you're not willing to obey. Oh, it's either you receive it or reject it. Oh, you know, many people get cut to the heart, but the response could be dramatically different. And you, uh, 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 I believe all my heart and even myself are in, 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 in guilty of this. And, and you see, God doesn't worry about his words. It's powerful. It does a convicting. But I believe what God is worried about is our hearts. Is it yielded? Is it tender? And, uh, for example, a farmer might have the seed and the right experience to sow the seed, but the ground or the soil is bad, then there is no chance of a good crop. They might, he might have a good seed, and he might know how to execute those seeds and how to plant them, but if the soil is bad, if the heart, to be honest with you, an illustration, if the heart is full of thorns and, and it's full of stones and it's hardened, hey, it's not going to do the job. It's not going to bring forth fruit that remains. Oh, and God compares the seed to the word of God and he is a sower of the seed and he is wondering uh, how the soil is, our hearts, how will we respond? Some people let the word of God change them, but some people refuse and argue with the Lord. And you know the reason why God has given us his words is so that we may be convicted and be changed. And many times we just stay at conviction. God wants us to change. And if you don't have that, our end will lead us to wrongful testimonies. And that's what we could learn from Josiah here. He responded to the conviction from God's word in humility and rented his clothes. Look at the testimony in 2 Kings chapter 22. Look at verse 19. And, and thus saith the Lord in verse 19, he says, But thine heart was what? Tender. The heart was tender, Josiah. Thou hast humbled thyself before the Lord, and thou heardest what I spake against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and has rent thy clothes and wet before me. I also have heard thee say it, the Lord. Has the word of God been convicting your heart? How do you respond? I hope you have a tender heart like Josiah did. Because our testimony will et- at the end of our lives, will be determined how we respond to God's word. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his what? Commandments. And we know his commandments are true and that we know we have his commandments by looking into the word of God. And God will judge us by his words and how we responded to him. Oh, I hope we have tender hearts. If the conviction comes, we are saying, Lord, I want you to change me. 
I want you to mold me, and I want you to truly fill me, and I want you to put me in the right direction. And I hope your testimony shines because you're ready to receive the convicting of God's word and also to be changed thereby. Secondly, we have the covenant to the Lord. Covenant to the Lord. In 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 2 and 3, the Bible says, if you have your Bibles open, you could go there with me as well. It says, And the king went up into the house of the Lord, and all the men of Judah and all the inhabitants of Jerusalem with him, and the priests and the prophets, prophets and all the people, both small and great, and he read in their ears all the words of the book of the covenant which was found in the house of the Lord. And the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimony statute with all their heart and all their soul to perform, okay, and not only listen, not only read, but perform the words of this covenant, this promise that were written in this book, and all the people stood to the covenant. You see, covenant means to have a pledge or a agreement. You see, the word of God and the commandment of God has been spoken. Now, it was a responsibility of King Josiah to make a decision or agreement with the Lord. You see, God always requires to respond with a decision or a vow. Some people might think, I don't make decisions or vows to God because I know I'll break them. I understand your insecurity. I know we come short sometimes. And if that's the case, to be honest with you, the next question is, then when would you start doing the will of God if you are just abiding in that insecurity? By the way, it's not you, my friend, that's going to help you to grow in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's by the grace of God you could grow. And I can do all things through Christ with strength in me. It is not you. Get yourself out of the scene. Get yourself out of the equation. It is God Almighty. It is God Almighty convicting you of His Word. It is God Almighty that's going to change you. You just go follow Him. And I believe that He will truly transform your life. And uh, a great example of the Israelites in Mark Carmel as well. In 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 21, the Bible says, Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people, here it is, and the people answer him, not a word. Why weren't these people not following the Lord? No vow, no decision. They don't want to make any uh, 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 decision for the Lord or any vow to the Lord. And, and they don't want to jump in. Oh, I think about the generation of Josiah, how they needed to make a choice and a decision as well. In verse 15, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you to say whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And by the way, because they made that covenant, because they made that decision, the Bible says in Judges chapter 2, verse 7, and the people served the Lord all the the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that I live Joshua who has seen all the great works of the Lord and he did for Israel. I think it was a good thing for them for them to make a vow. And I believe it, ha- it helped them to uh, remember it. They, po- they, they set up some stones, by the way, for uh, uh, a remembrance concerning the gov- covenant. And if you had made any vows or any decision, my friend, hey, remember the decision and uh, uh, make sure you write them down and put the date down. And so that few years later, you're still keeping that covenant. You're keeping that uh, uh, decisions in your life. And I believe that God will bless you as you keep those. And I believe that God will strengthen you 
you in discouraging times, and God will help you during the time when you're doubtful. Oh, I think about Joshua, how he set up a, a huge stone under an oak tree to remind the Israelites in his generation that they made a vow with their lips to serve the Lord and to follow him. I think we need to do that sometime as well. And uh, we need to make some uh, uh, memorial. And, and I'm not saying go to the backyard and set up a stone, okay, and carve your name there and carve your testimony. No, I'm not saying that. But somewhere where you could remember that decision and to really have that remembrance so that you could keep on serving the Lord. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we have a better chance, with all that being said, we have a better chance of serving the Lord and following him with a vow than without a vow. It is better for us to make the vow, and sometimes we might fall short. It's better for us to make the vow either way. I mean, uh, uh, I mean, whether or not uh, we would be faithful or not, uh, I believe with all my heart uh, that would keep us in line. It would help us to keep on going for the Lord Jesus. Even though we might fall seven times, we could rise up again, my friend. And if you never make a vow, you'll never serve the Lord. Oh, I want you to know that God is gracious and merciful. Do you believe that? Even though we might break a vow, hey, God is still gracious and merciful. Think about Jonah, how merciful and gracious he was to him. And uh, he took a ship to Tarshish. I mean, that's toward Western Europe. And, uh, I mean, uh, he was supposed to go to Nineveh. But, I mean, he took a ship and, uh, and tried to go to Tarshish. But the Lord was still gracious to him. Apostle Peter denied the Lord three times. But God was still gracious to him to use him at the day of Pentecost and to be the speaker or the preacher. And so that 3,000 people would get saved. John Mark, even though he left the missionary journey, God was gracious to him. And that God used him again. And the Apostle Paul, with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, was able to write, Take Mark with you and bring him uh, uh, to me because he is profitable for me in the ministry. Oh, you might be a John Mark today. You might be Apostle Peter today. And you might be a Jonah today. But God will use you again. And God will help you again. I'm not saying it's okay to break a vow or a decision. But I'm simply saying that God is gracious and he wants to use you again. And recommit. And this is exactly what happened to the nation of Israel. They made a covenant and a vow before the Lord, but a few hundred years later later, uh, have uh, have passed. They decided to serve the idol of the land and broke the covenant. And here is King Josiah making what? Another covenant. Remembering the old covenant and recommitting and saying, Lord, our fathers have done evil and we commit ourselves to you again. You see, was God, was God rejecting them? No. God was receiving them again. What are you more afraid of, breaking a decision or no decision? To be honest with you, to me, I think no decision is more, in every sense, fearful. And, uh, you know, choose you this day whom you will serve. You cannot serve God and mammon. By the way, why are we so hesitant to make a covenant with the Lord? Is it, that, is it, is it really that we are scared of, fall, uh, scared, uh, scared of failing or maybe it's because we don't have faith in God. I think it's the latter. We don't have faith in God. And you're not willing to make a chance. You're not, I mean, take a chance. Why? Because maybe you don't have faith that God will work through you. King Josiah was willing to take a chance in faith to make a covenant with this God. And by the grace of God, he left a good ending testimony. He lived a shorter life than the other kings. At the age of 39, he died. But he left a good Wonderful testimony. 
And, uh, and lastly, cleaning up of wrong provisions. Cleaning up of wrong provision. Verse 4, the Bible says in chapter 23, And the king commanded uh, uh, Hilkiah the high priest and the priests of the second order and the keepers of the door to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal and for the grove and for all the hosts of heaven. And he burned them without Jerusalem in the fields of Kidron and carried the ashes of them unto Bethel. And uh, after his humble response from the conviction of God's word and his covenant with the Lord, King Josiah did something that was very wise. And he put away all the provisions that would cause temptation for the Israelites. What did he do? Well, I want you to know it. Go to the next slide. He put down the idolatrous priests. The Bible says in verse 5, the false teachers and shepherds. And he put down the idolatrous priests whom the king of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the city of Judah and the places round about Jerusalem. Them also that burnt incense unto Baal, to the sun and to the moon and to the prophets, to all the hosts of Heaven and the Bible says in verse six, he brought it out the he brought out the, uh, brought out the grove from the house of the Lord without Jerusalem unto the brook Kidron and burned it at the brook Kidron and stamped it into small powder and cast a powder thereof upon the graves of the children of the people. You see, he meant business. He says, you know, what? I don't want false teachers around here. I don't want idolatrous priests around here. I want them to be put away from this land, and we're going to stamp down these idols to powder, and we're going to put it away, and we don't want any provisions. We don't want people to see these idolatrous sculptures. We don't want them to be tempted to go back to the sins of our fathers. We don't want that. We're going to clean up right now, and we want to start new and have the right testimony. And they gentlemen, there's some things in your life that's really uh, 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 in every way giving provision so that you could be tempted back to the old lifestyle. Oh, put those away. Put away the old music. And put away the old friends. Oh, after I got saved, I remember the last phone call that I had with my friend. And uh, he asked me, you know, you want to hang out? And I said, you know, I can't. And I'm just kind of busy with school, and I'm busy with church, and I just kind of had to let him down. And, and that was the last phone call I had with him. I know what they would do when they gathered together. They would drink, they would smoke pot, and, and they would gamble. And uh, 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 they, would, uh, they would, in every way, do all the wicked things that I would be tempted of. And I had to get away from that scenery. I got to get away from that provision. Oh, if you have some friends that are putting you down, they say, wait a minute. I believe all my heart, as much as you love your friends, you, you need to love the Lord Jesus Christ more. And you need to follow him more. And put away those things that is giving you provision. And put away the idols of music and idols of Hollywood as well. I'm not saying that you should not be, uh, 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 I'm not preaching against everything out in Hollywood. But I think you need to make sure that you are wise and that you are not in any sense giving provision so that you could sin and make sure you're wise concerning that area. So he put down the idolatrous priest, and also he broke down the house of homosexuals. The Bible says in verse 7, And he broke down the houses of the sodomites that were by the house of the Lord where the woman wove hangings for the grove. And, uh, I mean, that was part of the ritual, I guess. And, uh, and, and, and Josiah, King Josiah, put away those homosexuals in the land, and he meant business concerning that. He put away the defiled human sacrifices, and people were burning their own sons and daughters for idol worship, and he put that away. He even took away the horses and chariots that were dedicated to false gods as well. Hey, 
what a wonderful thing to have great military. But this military was dedicated to idol worship. He says, I don't care if they're the finest armor. I don't care if they are going to really give us strong military power. We're going to put this away. Why? It has been dedicated to idols. I'm not going to have that in the military. And by the way, it would be good for us to have that kind of military in the sense where we fear the Lord. Amen. And uh, rather than always thinking that we're a superpower, hey, hey, every victory of any battle or any war, it has to come from God Almighty. And I hope uh, our nation will turn around that way. And, uh, but he also destroyed the idolatrous altars of the past kings as well. Hey, what a great remembrance to remember our father and grandfather and great-grandfather. But he knew, even though they were, he was related to them, they were wicked men. And he said, you know what, I don't care about the heritage. I don't care about the sentimental feelings I might have concerning my father. We're going to put away those things. Why? Because they're against the scripture. They're against the Lord. And you might have some family members today that you're trying to please, and in every sense, you're living in a lukewarm life because you want to please them. But you want to love the Lord. And you want to make sure that you honor the Lord. And that as much as family is important, I'm not saying we should break up families. No. I think we should try to win them if they're lost. Try to let them understand what we're living for. And uh, I think we should be gracious. But at the same time, we should stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And that we should always be bold to let them know that you want to live a holy life, you want to live a godly life, and you want to live a God-fearing life. And it doesn't matter what your family said, it matters what God has said. So with that, not only that, he went down to Bethel, which was northern kingdom, and destroyed the high priest. And uh, 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 the Bible says, both that altar and the high place he broke down, in verse 15, and burned the high place, and stamped it in small pow- uh, powder, and burned the grove. I mean, it, it was uh, beyond this boundary, but he said, this is where it started for all the Israelites, and this is where it, it, we're going to go and stamp down all these idolatrous words worship and uh, sculptures we're going to step into powder and we're not going to try to in any way give provision for the israelites to worship false gods again oh ladies and gentlemen this this man was uh, uh 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 was serious about this matter and the question for you are you serious about your christian life are you serious about serving the lord are we serious about living a godly life oh what a revival this uh wonderful king had and he was a young king, by the way. And uh, I believe great revival not only gets people to repent, but they actually put away things that would tempt them again to sin. And let's read Romans 13, verse 14 together. They ready? But putting on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And we're full of lust. Okay? And I believe many times... We make provisions to fill that lust and that we commit sin. And uh, we're not putting on the Lord Jesus Christ every day. We're putting on the world. We're putting on the flesh. Oh, I want to encourage you tonight. Don't make provision for the flesh. But the, because the flesh will try to devour your life. And you see, King Josiah did not want to turn back. He was wise enough to put away those provisions in his life so that he could truly serve the Lord, so that he could have the right testimony. The reason why we fail so many times is because we allow provisions. And you might decide to have a life of separation, but you might have terrible, awful media in your library, and you still have the wrong magazines and books, and you still have the wrong music in your car, and you still hang around with worldly friends. 
Time will tell what you, be, uh, what you will be in every sense after you're done with this life. And, and I hope you have a testimony that is truly separated. And I was sharing with the college students yesterday in devotion before we went hiking. I shared with them that your life is a sermon. Your life is a sermon. Hey, I might speak and I might preach up here, but my life and how I am, that's a sermon. The testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ in my life is a sermon. And people are reading it. And I'm not a perfect man, but I think we need to always try to improve and, and rewrite our testimony. And I hope as Christians, you know, that we try to do so. And, and I'm sure many of you wrote essays or different uh, paper in your college years. And many times you had that first draft, you had that second draft, you had that third draft. You're trying to improve your writing, aren't you? You're trying to improve that essay. And many times you have to go through that process. But it's a good process for us so that we could have the right sermon to tell the world that Jesus Christ is truly, truly uh, being magnified in our lives. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, what kind of sermon are you making today? And uh, you might be in the introduction stage. You might be in the outline today. But everyone will have a conclusion. Everybody will have a conclusion. What kind of conclusion you, would you have? And, uh, and I hope as Christians that we truly fear the Lord. And that when the conviction comes from God's word, we're ready to repent. We get right with God. We're ready for the change. And also, I hope you are making that covenant to the Lord. And you might be scared, yes, but God is greater. And uh, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and sound mind. And God wants to help you with that. And lastly, clean up of all the provisions. Don't let the devil sneak in. And uh, be full of faith and put away those things that really hinders you. Put away the weights and the sin. Hey, run this race with freedom and with great uh, uh, heart to serve the Lord. And clean up those uh, uh, old life uh, style and and old uh, uh, path that you have trod. And and, uh, look at the new life that God has given you and the new journey and the new path. And let's live for the Lord.